0: Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing in your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. I know, investing can feel intimidating, often we don't know where to start, and maybe you think you need a lot of money to start investing. Or you end up putting it off because it doesn't seem urgent, and your life is so busy, so you don't have time to research or manage investments, but saving and investing can be easy with Acorns. Head to acorns.com slash beyond or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Paid non-client endorsement may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash beyond. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities LLC. Member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com we And welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. I know this episode is going to be huge for your productivity. If you are a person who runs meetings, or are in meetings, or hate meetings, or love meetings, I guess I'll include you too, you're going to love this episode because I have Mamie Canfer Stewart. And she is here to talk about meetings. We talk about how to make meetings work well and one of the key pieces of information that comes out of this episode is the fact that honestly when it comes to productivity we talk all the time about honing our individual skills when it comes to focus when it comes to paying attention when it comes to prioritizing and making sure that we hone ourselves to work well to produce more to do better work to do more creative work do more fulfilling work even but meetings are where the rubber meets the road of you may be a honed and highly trained, productive machine. But if you're working with a team, on a team, leading a team, you inevitably are going to be part of meetings. And meetings are where the singular transforms into the plural, and we have multiple people working together. And honestly, meetings can halt your day or grind you down or keep you from getting stuff done, but that doesn't have to be the case. So in this conversation, Mamie and I talk about how to conduct the perfect meeting. And yes, we even talk about how to decide if a meeting is even necessary to begin with. We then even talk through the ideal Scenario of a pre, during, and post workflow to have the perfect meeting. So I, th- I think I've sold it, right? I think if you are familiar with meetings at all, which again, that's pretty much everyone in some form or another, this episode is going to help you have better meetings or be in meetings in a better way or change the meeting culture at your organization. So enjoy this conversation with Mamie Camphor Stewart. This week, I am really excited to have Mamie Canfer-Stewart on the show. Mamie, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So you told me in pre-recording that you listened to the show, so that – I mean, that makes my heart warm with joy, first off. But (laughs) then you're coming to talk about a specific topic that, honestly, we've never – and I can't believe we haven't in almost six years now of doing this show – we haven't ever done a specific episode dedicated to meetings, which – honestly, what, what more of a productivity burden can there be, I think, than sometimes these meetings that we're in, right?
1: Yes. And I actually think it's the biggest productivity loss in companies today. And there's a lot of data around how much time is wasted in meetings. But if you look at the overall kind of how we spend our time so much of it gets sucked into meetings that if we're not optimizing them it's it's helpful to pick up 5 or 10 minutes here and there but meetings can make a huge impact
0: sure and and they can almost hit you like a i don't know i could say a brick but almost worse it can almost be like running into a wall and like trip up or you know derail the rest of your day
1: Completely. If you walk out of a meeting and you're feeling like drained and frustrated and like that was the worst use of your time and we just, you know, just do the whole, your whole body can feel it sometimes. And that just, you know, of course, your mental state is infected and the rest of your day can be ruined and you're not as optimized. You're not thinking clearly. You're not going to collaborate with your colleagues as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big problem.
0: Yeah. We should, I don't know if you've listened to this episode yet. Uh, Daniel Pink was on the show and we were talking about, you know, different times of day that are most optimal for certain types of work and, you know, depending, and, and here's a consideration, like depending upon what kind of meeting it is, whether it's a, we're going to sit down and uh, have an ideation kind of a meeting where we're brainstorming, you know, that could be maybe a fun afternoon meeting where everybody like gets a coffee to sit down and all like chat and wake up and goof around a little bit, you know, to to get the juices flowing. Or if it's kind of a, um, you know, hey, we need to sit down and do some deciding or some planning or, you know, something along those lines. Uh Again, that might be a good meeting for a different time of day. But before we get into all that, let's talk about this. I think it's better, and I know you do too, to decide, do we even need to have this meeting?
1: (laughs) That's the number one thing, is start by asking yourself, what is it that we want to accomplish? What's the outcome we want to achieve? Not what's the purpose of the meeting, but what is the outcome we want to achieve? We call it a desired outcome. And then decide if a meeting is the optimal way to get to that outcome. And it's incredible how many times you might reflect on that and say, oh, maybe I just need to send an email or maybe I should put together a document explaining something and let people comment on it and ask questions on it. Or maybe I need to meet with each person one-on-one and not bring them together as a group. And all of those are alternatives to meetings, but they can get you to that same outcome.
0: And one of the things that, you know, in my organization – we take into account is we've got contractors who we pay by the hour. And if we suddenly have to wrangle all of them up into a meeting, it means we're paying all of them for that one, you know, say it's a half hour or an hour, you know, time block all at once, which could be incredibly not just inefficient or ineffective, but not fiscally responsible.
1: Yeah. Most salaried employees, you don't think of it that way. But if you're paying everyone as a contractor, you really do feel the monetary pain. But it's the same thing in an organization with salaried employees. You're wasting that money on people's time that's not moving work forward. And It's hard to feel the satisfaction or kind of like, oh, okay, we just saved $100 or $500 or $1,000 by not having that meeting because you're still paying those people anyways when they're salaried. But it's the redeployment of that time where you get your savings. But it's hard to convince leaders to really think that way. And I kind of now I'm like, oh, maybe everyone should just be paid as a contractor. And that would really help people feel the pain (laughs) of meetings.
0: Yeah, that would uh, double pain of meetings because if you're a bad one, one, it's, it's already a pain. But then two, oh, man, I'm paying everybody by the hour for this.
1: Uh hmm
0: And, it, or and it's at least an, it's more evident.
1: Yeah. Well, it's another reason why, um, kind of another or another frame on this is thinking about how much talk time you get from people. So if you have a meeting with five people and the meeting's an hour long, assume the first couple of minutes are going to be wasted with people getting in the room, and the first couple, the last couple of minutes are going to be uh, kind of used for closure and kind of wrapping things up. So let's say in that hour-long meeting with five people, you actually only get fifty minutes if they all share the mic equally, you each you get 10 minutes of each person's sharing. So you got, you took an hour of someone's time to get 10 minutes of their thinking. Is that the ratio that's best for what outcome you need? Or maybe you should just take 10 minutes of their time by having a 10-minute check-in with them, and each person only has to spend 10 minutes with you, even though you're still spending the whole hour, but you get to that same outcome.
0: Yes, yes. So the, speaking of that desired outcome, and, and kind of going back to again deciding if we even need to have this meeting i know you named off a couple of the you know meeting alternatives how do you decide what is you know some of that upfront decision making process in terms of the desired outcome and the do we need to have this meeting and if we do or we don't like what are some of those meeting alternatives
1: yeah so we have a couple articles about this and it's in my book as well so maybe we can link to some of these in the show notes sure and um, so, first is what is the outcome that you want to achieve? So you have to be super clear. If you don't really understand why you're trying to have a meeting, like if you're you're getting stuck on the like, well, we have to review the budget. Okay, that's not a reason to have a meeting. Reviewing doesn't is not an outcome, it's an activity. So if you haven't yet clarified exactly what will be different at the end of the meeting, then you need to start there. And there are six reasons why you can have a meeting. And hopefully I'll remember all six because I always seem to get five out of six. I, I have them
0: right here in front disappears. of me in my notes. So
1: yes. So um to make a decision. Always a good reason to have a meeting, bring people together to make a decision or come to some agreement. To create a plan and figure out what are those next steps and who's going to be responsible for what. To produce some piece of work. So some people might call this more like a working session rather than a meeting. But if you're bringing people together to collaborate real time and move some particular work forward, that's also a good reason. Um, To get alignment. So this is really different than information sharing. A lot of people say, oh, well, we have to communicate this information. Everybody needs to know this information. If it's really truly just about them hearing it and knowing it, like check off the box, they get that memo. That's not a good reason. If the information's complex and there's kind of sense-making or buy-in that's needed and you really need people to be aligned on that information, that's a good reason. But not just to communicate one way.
0: So that's like a casting a vision and making sure everybody sees that vision. Right. Almost like including a, a Q&A or a you know, back and forth time in that one.
1: Right. So this is where you might get to, like, let's like, use the budget example again. If all I need is for people to see where we are against our budget, then I can just send a copy of the budget with a few bullet points that might say, like, please pay attention to place A, B, and C where we're over or under etc. And it's just calling attention to the things and say, everybody just needs to know this information. That's really different than if I'm looking at our budget and I'm like, something's going on here and we need to kind of come to some alignment about why this is happening and what this means. And so I'm going to bring everyone into the room. I'm going to show the budget and I'm going to highlight these three things. And then we're going to say, what's going on here? Why are we, what, what's happening? We're not making a decision and we're not making a plan and we're not producing anything like, what but what we're doing is we're sense making together, so that at the end we can say, "Ah, we all kind of understand what's going on here now, and maybe we eventually do make a decision or change some plans, But that meeting itself, the kind of primary reason, is to get us all on the same page with what this information means,
0: yeah, that's what I was going to say was um it's it almost seems like we're all making sure we're on the same page in in alignment exactly. Cool. I've
1: called alignment nice. um all right, I think that was four, so number five. connect with people to just build relationships get to know them more deeply understand them so this often happens through sales meetings but can also happen for team building um or other kinds of reasons why you want to get people together to to just know each other better so that they can then work more effectively together going forward all right that was five and now i always get stuck okay oh ideate ideate that's it yep yes Got them all six. Okay, so ideate, which is the last one, which is really around brainstorming or generating some sort of information, or could be questions for further research, could be um, ideas for exploration, could be uh, even question, I already said question generating or problem solution generating, those kinds of things, but just the ideation aspect.
0: Perfect. And so these are different versions of meetings. But again, these aren't specifically th- these are modalities into a desired outcome like the outcome is like still like we decide which version of a meeting it is of these six to get to that desired outcome if a meeting again is necessary
1: correct so okay. step 1 figure out what your desired outcome is and part of that or kind of a framing is understanding what the reason is for this meeting so if you say all right we're going to have an ideation meeting and we're going to brainstorm. That's still your activity. So you got to take it that one step further to say, so what's the outcome we want to have and the more specific you can be the better. We want to have a list of five potential ideas that we can bring to management for you know for their evaluation or we want to have a list of 10 questions that we need to get the answers to in order to move this project forward. Whatever it is, get you, but we have the list of something and preferably a number to that list, that's the desired outcome you want. So now we've got really clear on the desired outcome and kind of what the framing of this meeting is, is it ideation or or decision making? Then we take it to the next step. Is the meeting the right format to get that to get to that result? So with ideation, you might say, "Oh, well, it, we could have a meeting and we could use time and do some sticky note activities or have people typing into a Google Doc, but we could also do it through a survey." Like, maybe I should just send a survey to everybody and say, okay, here's the question. What ideas do you have? Take 10 minutes and share, you know, email me 10 ideas that you have for how we can solve this problem or why this thing might be happening or what ideas you have. And then I, as the facilitator of this project, would gather all those together. And then maybe we have a meeting that's around decision-making to bring us to some conclusion on these are the 10 ideas we're going to explore, but the generation of ideas itself doesn't have to happen in the meeting. So now you've taken one meeting and turned it into an activity that people can do outside of the meeting, and shortened the length of a meeting you might need to just get to a decision. And so you only have to have a decision-making meeting, not an ideation meeting. Perfect. If that if that makes sense. Is That's
0: that yes, that perfectly makes sense. Great, and and then you get that survey back, and you've got some of that, you know, ideation. Uh, already started, and then you could decide, well, you know what? These are all great, but what we really could do and should do is maybe now have a shorter than it would have been meeting to actually bounce some of these ideas around, because I think some of them might merge together if we have a conversation.
1: Exactly. And there's lots of things. You might look at them and say, none of these feel like we were thinking big enough. So we actually do need to do some in-person, and we need some more prompts. But you've got a starting place rather than kind of just starting from a blank page. Or you might say, you know what, this actually doesn't work at all for us. You know, I know my team and like people are not going to feel the energy. They're not going to be inspired. They're going to send me 10 things that are just going to be blah, the first thing they think of. We really do need that time in the meeting together to do that kind of energizing, brainstorming work. So it's not that you shouldn't have a brainstorming meeting ever. It's that you can figure out if it's the right method, the right meeting to have for the work you have to get done. And there are a couple other reasons why you might want to have a meeting even if you could use an alternative, right? So if you really do need buy-in, if the information is complex and you need a lot of buy-in and you w- and it has to happen kind of in a group setting, you can't just kind of go one by one to get people to say, yep, I'm in, that works for me, but you really do need the whole team to feel committed as a team. That's another reason why you might say, yeah, I could send a dashboard. I could, you know, have one-on-one meetings, but I'm still going to bring everybody together because that's really important. And then the other last kind of piece of it um, is around the right people. Can you get the right people together to make the meeting work? Because if you can't actually get the people you need to be in that meeting, you definitely should not have a meeting. And I've seen this happen over and over again with some of our customers where they, ha- they have a desired outcome. They you know, get all the usual suspects in the room. They're working on the conversation. They get to the end. And then they realize that the person who's going to make the decision isn't there or that there's some kind of critical reason why this group can only take it so far and they're like, "Oh, and now we have to like go loop in this other department or we need to get some information from these people and we didn't have those people in the meeting cuz nobody thought about inviting them." And you're kind of stuck. So when you're framing out and looking at say, right, do we have all the people that we need to make this desired outcome happen? And if you can't get those people into the meeting, you either need to find a different way to get them in or not have that meeting and Kind of just will fall flat and you'll feel like it was a big waste of time.
0: You just reminded me of something that recently happened to me where myself and at least one or two other people were in a larger meeting thinking we were attending it for answering some of our own questions that we were going to bring to the table. And instead, what happened was when we started to go into that specific topic, per se, we realized, oh. We actually need to have a whole different meeting with just some of the people that were in this big meeting versus having all those people there. So it's not only about making sure the right people are in the meeting. It's also about maybe making sure you don't have everybody in a meeting for the wrong outcome.
1: Yes, 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 yes. We call this meeting FOMO or a fear of missing out that many, 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 many organizations have a culture in which you invite people because that's what you do. If you're not invited to the meeting, you have no clue what's going on. You're not important. Nobody thinks about you or cares about you. So you just kind of invite everybody. And if you're not there, kind of too bad. And kind of the flip side of that is there's no autonomy to say no to a meeting other than I'm out of the office. I'm sick. I'm already booked at that time. It's like a logistical thing. If you can't make it to the meeting for a logistical reason, it's okay to say no. But if you ask a question like, Why are you asking me to join this meeting? What is it that you are hoping I'll bring to the conversation? Oh, no, that's a big no-no. You should not question why you're asked to go to a meeting. You just go because you were invited. And that is a huge problem. If people don't feel like they can question their participation in a meeting, it's really hard to, to, one, know why you're supposed to be there, especially if there's no agenda and no one's telling you, this is what I'm hoping you're going to bring to the table, which it sounds like what happened with you is that you came in thinking one thing and the meeting is actually about something related, but not exactly. So it was like, okay, you're is this, is this really the right meeting? And did you need to have so many people? Did you need to be there for the whole time? All of those questions that come up as a meeting participant, if you're not allowed to ask them, it's really hard to feel like you are in control of your time and able to optimize yourself.
0: Yeah, it was a macro meeting. And in that we realized we needed a separate and additional micro meeting that was also shorter.
1: Hmm. Yep. And those kinds of meetings, exactly. Sometimes you can narrow down and say, we could actually have three 20 minute meetings Instead of one big one. Sometimes you need to have the big ones too. It's a reason to bring everyone together to do something macro. But you might also need to have smaller meetings with just a subset. And this comes up a lot in meetings where people will recognize that something's going off on a tangent or there's something that needs to get further hammered out, but it's not for the whole group. It's for a subset of people in the meeting and maybe a few people who aren't in this meeting who need to be brought into that additional conversation. And so that's a good time if we get into meeting facilitation. We talk about using a parking lot or tabling something for later or putting it in the bike rack if you're eco-friendly. So this topic needs to go into the bike rack and a a smaller group is going to take that, hammer it out, and maybe bring it back to the full group or, you know, they just need to solve the issue and then the project will keep going and we don't even need to know what the outcome is.
0: Yeah. What about for people who think that meetings are basically made to get in the way of getting the real work done?
1: Mm. Oh, see, this is what pains me because meetings are real work. We're just not using them properly, right? There are two different ways that we get work done in work in businesses today when you're working as part of a team. You can work by yourself or you can work with others. And when you work by yourself, we call that you know doing your task list. And when you work with others, we typically call that a meeting. So it's not that one or the other is bad or better. It's that we have to optimize both of them in order to really streamline and be most efficient and most productive in our work. So with meetings, too often we are not giving them the attention that they need to be fully optimized. And part of that's because we don't always have control. And part of it's because no one was, no one taught this stuff, right? I, I like to say a lot, like I went to business school, I worked in different organizations. No one ever taught me how to write an agenda. I learned it through osmosis. I got lucky that I was in an environment with people who were writing clear agendas and using a template, but it wasn't like anyone ever sat sat me down and said, okay, Mamie, you're going to spend about 50% of your time in meetings. So we're going to make sure that you know how to do this the right way. No. So we've never put the attention into meetings the way that we have around personal productivity. So meetings are definitely a good way to get work done if you're addressing them with the kind of proper attention and tools and techniques and approaches to make them worthwhile.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of, uh, and, and I know since you've listened to the show, uh, there's a lot of talk about, you know, figuring out your focusing ability, like being able to, as an individual, focus on the task at hand and then not be distracted and get it done. And that's kind of honing an individual productivity tool of you and your mental clarity and mental, you know, willpower, et cetera. But you don't hear a lot about honing a collaborative work tool. Like meetings,
1: Yes, yes, yes. We <laughs> don't spend enough time figuring out how to optimize ourselves as a team, right? That can be meetings, It can be communication methods, like even Slack. I love Slack or HipChat or any of those other chat tools. I think they're wonderful. People have, have a reduction in meetings when they use those tools because they have another way to communicate that's outside of email and outside of meetings, which were kind of the two primary forms of communication before. And now we have a third through chatting. But they can create just as many problems as meetings can create. If you're not using it properly, if you haven't put the time and attention as a team to say, how are we going to use this communication and collaboration tool? What are appropriate topics for us to be discussing? What's the expectation around response time? How do we use at mentions or hashtags to make sure that people aren't missing information in this constant flow stream of information that just becomes this giant abyss and you're always kind of trying to catch up and not miss anything. So t- meetings are the same way. Like It's all just about how do we as a team optimize how we work together? Because we spend a lot of time doing it for ourselves, but not as much time doing it as a team.
0: Yeah. And it really comes down to culture, doesn't it? I'm, and I don't mean like culture at large. I mean, your organization's culture, because you could be you know, averse to meetings, or you could be, no, we got to have a meeting for everything. You could be way into Slack, but be at tagging, you know, at mentioning everybody on every single thing or not getting them enough stuff or using Skype on top of that, or Facebook messages on top of that, like multiple channels to where none of them are our priority or a, you know, an agreed upon standard across the board.
1: Yes. And when you start talking about different kinds of cultures, it's both, like, what's our cultural methods of communication? Like, what kind of culture are we as an organization that we prefer face-to-face? Like, I have one client that I'm working with now doing some virtual meetings. I live in New York, and they're based outside the state. And it was a really big deal that I was not going to fly in to work with them every other week for two hours. And I was like, it doesn't make sense for me to come in for a two-hour meeting every other week. Can we try and do this meeting virtually? And that was a huge deal for them because they are a face-to-face culture company where they have lots of meetings and everybody's always in the same room.
0: Let's be honest, no matter what you're working on, if you're the organizer and you've got to get your team engaged, it can be hard to run a meeting, get that team involved, assign next steps in a place where your teammates want to participate. But that's what Miro helps you do. Miro is the visual collaboration platform that helps you run effective, engaging and actionable retrospectives. Miro helps you keep your team engaged and accountable while identifying and solving hurdles together. And we get it. The same issues can pop up over and over, but Miro makes sure that your team members' voices are heard. This allows you to innovate faster, you can feel stronger, and from project to project, they're able to express their ideas. Let's face it, not everyone likes to write, but in Miro, you can share images and videos and stickies and graphs. Your teammates can express their ideas in their own way. There are hundreds of templates and activities to help you mix things up also, keep it interesting from week to week, and there are great ways to summarize notes from a retro with AI capabilities that can deliver key themes in seconds. So instead of taking hours to review, you're able to pull out consistent themes in record time. So whether you work in product design, engineering, UX, agile, or marketing, bring your team together on Miro. Your first three Miro boards are free when you sign up today at Miro.com. That's three free boards at M-I-R-O.com. Still in search for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Just match with Indeed. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. Get unparalleled access to job seekers and over 350 million monthly unique visitors globally, according to Indeed data and an extended reach through Glassdoor. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash to-do list terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: if somebody's traveling they just rearrange the meeting so it can happen when everyone's together and so far, thank god it's going well um but that was a big culture thing for them the other side of culture is around your values and how those get expressed in meetings and we don't realize that many of the meeting practices we have say a lot about what we value as a team whether we know it or not so, for example, when we don't send an agenda and tell people why they're being invited to this meeting and what we want to accomplish and how we're going to use their time, I read that as a sign of disrespect. To me, that's like, you don't respect me enough to tell me why you need me and what you need my time for. You just are, you're you just demanding and you're in control and you just say, I tell you to be here now, you have to be here now. That does not feel like a respectful thing to do to me. Now, I don't think that that means that everyone who doesn't send an agenda is intentionally being disrespectful. But if we as a company or as a team say we respect each other, that's important to us, then we can look at our meetings and say, are we actually living that value in our meetings? Are we demonstrating respect in how we ask people for their time and giving them the authority or autonomy to say, I don't think that this meeting is the best use of my time? This is why. Is there another way I can contribute to this outcome that will meet your needs as the meeting leader and my needs as a meeting participant? It can go on and on and on in lots of ways, but when we look at our values and then how they're playing out in meetings, you can see there's often a cultural disconnect.
0: Right there in some of the ways that you're saying, you know, hey, can I approach somebody and talk to them about, you know, how our culture is? I mean, how do we start to assess that as a culture, as a as a company culture, I should say?
1: It's actually really fun to do. I just ran a workshop doing this exact activity. So if you have company values that you your company is, puts on their website or, you know, teaches you in your first day as an employee, this is our handbook, here's our values. That's a good place to start. If you're a team and you are a leader and you want to do this with your team and say, what are our team values? You can go through a little mini process to identify what values you want as a team. And there's, you, know, you can do it through a brainstorm. And there's lots of good information online on how to create values as a team. And it's also something that I work with teams to do. But once you have your values that you as a starting point, then you can look through your meeting practices and say, all right, the way that we're running our meetings, are we living these values? And it, it's kind of a matching game. Some of it can be, here are best practices for meetings. You know, are we following them? Are they, how do they line up with our values? And it can also be more of an organic conversation. So if you start with a value, let's say of transparency. So if we said, okay, let's look at how we're doing our pre-meeting activities. Are they helping us with transparency? Well, if nobody knows what they're going to do at a meeting or why you're coming, that's not transparency, All right, let's talk about after the meeting. If nobody has any notes or record of the meeting, if you weren't there, you're not informed of what's going on, that's not transparency. We can even go inside the meeting. If you're in the meeting and nobody's talking and people aren't sharing what's on their minds and the meeting kind of just... There's always one person talking or nobody ever expresses a dissenting opinion. That's probably not transparency. That's probably a lot of people sitting there feeling like, I can't share what I'm actually thinking because my thoughts aren't welcome here, which is a form of transparency. Do people feel like they can share information in a fluid way? So you can do this little analysis to say, these are the five, six, seven values that we have as a team. When we look at our meetings and how we're running them, are we Are we aligned? And there's lots of practices in meetings, and we talk a lot about them in our book. And you can go online and find all kinds of you know meetings, best practices, information, and look at them and say, are we doing those things? And are, if not, are we not doing it because it's part of our values? Or are we not doing it because we just didn't know? And what's the impact of not doing those things?
0: So what if you and I right now did like a hypothetical, like before, during, and after uh, a meeting And let's just assume, okay, the desired outcome is, you know, fill in the blank here, but it does require a meeting. We've already decided that. Now that we know we need to do a meeting, let's step through maybe, like, rough drafting. Like, what are the, you know, now that we know we have to have a meeting, what's before, during, and after look like in an ideal situation?
1: Awesome. Uh, And I really just want to hammer home this point you just made about before, during, and after. Because meetings are really a cycle. And it's too easy and too often we think of them as an event. I go to this meeting, I'm in the room, and it's done. But they're really a cycle in that there's activities that everyone should do before, not just the meeting leader, but all participants need to do before the meeting. Then there's in the meeting itself. And then there's after the meeting, which usually has stuff for everyone to do. And oftentimes that information feeds into the next meeting that's happening. So thinking and reframing into activities of before, during, and after is a good starting point. Okay, so we got our little hypothetical meeting that we're going to have. So as the meeting leader, the first thing I would do after I've decided this is my desired outcome is structure the agenda. And I'm also going to say, I'm going to skip the logistical things of like planning the time and getting on people's calendars, like assume that that has to happen anyways. So from a content perspective, I'm going to plan my agenda and I'm going to do it in a very particular way. So I start with my desired outcome and then next I'm going to decide what are the activities that we're going to do in the meeting. So what are the topics of discussion? What are the methods for that conversation to unfold? So are we going to have brainstorming? That's one activity. How are we going to do that brainstorming? Is it going to be three minutes of quiet for people to write on sticky notes or is it going to be popcorn style, am I going to have people walk around the room and write on flip charts for, you know, five different questions that I've posted. What's the actual method that the brainstorming is going to unfold, which will help me figure out how much time I need? So if I have five questions and people are going to walk around in sticky notes, I might give them hmm, 5 minutes. If we're going to do quiet reflection time, I might only give people 3 minutes. So you want to be as specific as possible with the topic, the activity, and the time. And, of course, if you have, if you need particular materials, like I need to make sure I want to bring in sticky notes and pens or flip charts, whatever, I'll make a note of those things, too, so that as the facilitator, I'm not scrambling in the meeting saying, oh, my goodness, there's no flip charts in this room. Or if we're going to do it online, making sure I, I make the Google Doc ahead of time and invite everybody to the Google Doc so everyone can be typing into that. So structure my agenda out by topic activities, time, and materials if I need them. And I'm always going to include at the beginning a check in time, which is about five minutes at the start of the meeting to do two things. One, assume that people are not going to show up right on the dot because it's physically impossible to get from one meeting to another in no time, which (laughs) many, many, many people are running back to back. And even from like if you're on the phone, like you still have to hang up for one call, go in and find the conference line, call back in. Like it's just impossible. So always assume that there's going to be a five minute window of people just getting physically into your meeting. Okay, so we got check-in time in the beginning, and the other piece of the check-in is to just get people's voices into the room, making sure you're asking them, you know, what's going on in your life? How are you feeling today? You you know, are you ready for this meeting? The more people that can talk in the first couple of minutes, the more likely they'll talk later on in the meeting and just kind of set the tone for everybody here is important and we want to hear from you. So start with the check-in, fill out your agenda, end with a wrap-up, so five to ten minutes of your time, depending on how long the meeting is, to Clarify out what decisions were made, what are the next steps, who's going to be responsible for them, and what are the key takeaways that other people need to be informed by. So I just want to make sure those pieces are in my agenda. Then pre-work. This is the next portion of the agenda. What do people need to do to prepare to be ready for this meeting? And it might be some materials to read. It could be questions to reflect on. It could be an activity to complete, like please fill out the survey with your 10 ideas for you know how we're going to make a million dollars in the next quarter, right, whatever it is. But there's a lot of different ways you can give people pre-work. But you want to think, what can people do to be ready so when they walk in the door for this meeting and we sit down together, I don't have to spend the first 15, 20 minutes getting people into the meeting. They've already done some thinking on this, and they're ready to dive in. And then the last piece of my agenda is the Norms which are the ground rules. How do I want people to behave in this meeting? And it's helpful to tell people this ahead of time so that when they come in, they are in the mindset of what behavior is expected. So it might be, for example, if a brainstorming meeting, I might say that my ground rules for this meeting are that all ideas are good ideas. I want people to know that before we get started. I want them to come in with a mindset that we are thinking big. Really, really different than for that same meeting if I set my ground rules as resources are constrained. We only want truly potential, like truly ideas that we have potential to do. Totally different frame. If I come into a meeting and I'm thinking, like no one told me what the ground rules are, and I'm thinking, oh yes, I have all these ideas I'm so excited about. And we sit down and then every one of my ideas gets, you know, hammered out saying, nope, that idea, we don't have the money for that one. Up, oh, that one could take too long. That one is going to pull too many people off of projects that we need them on. That, like, now I feel really deflated. Like, why'd you ask me for my ideas if you don't like them? But if I know going in, okay, this meeting we're going to do some brainstorming, but like we have really limited resources, we got to stick to ideas that are we can actually execute on time and on budget. All right, now I'm in the right mindset where I can contribute ideas that fit those parameters. So all of that I would send as my pre materials to my meeting participants telling them here's the agenda and what we're going to do and it doesn't have to be as detailed as I just described for them they could just know we're going to have a brainstorm on this topic we're going to have a you know narrowing of ideas on you know to get us to this point and here's the desired outcome so they might have a mini version here's what I want you to do to prepare and there are some good rules of thumb like give people the instructions don't just give them an attachment you know see attachment that doesn't help Give them instructions. Please read the attachment with an eye towards blah, blah, blah. And it should only take you about five minutes to do. Tell them how long so they can they can set their own expectation for pre-work. And then these are the ground rules for our meeting. I want you to be aware of before you come in. So we're done with the prepare.
0: Okay. So that's the first third the first of the three. So that's that's before the meeting. Now we have the in the meeting.
1: Yes, in the meeting. Oh, and I should have said. As a recipient of those materials, it's your responsibility to read the agenda and do the pre work so that when you walk in, you're ready for the productive conversation. Okay.
0: And, and that would be one of the things that's kind of addressed in a cultural talk as well. Yes. We all, we all agree that when that kind of pre meeting materials happens, we're all on the same page that, okay, we're going to treat that with importance and be prepared by reviewing it and doing whatever is required, you know, requested, et cetera.
1: Yes. And I know some organizations that have a practice where they could not get people to prepare for meetings, no matter what they did, no matter how many times people agreed to do it, they would still walk in unprepared. So they extended the length of every meeting by about 10 minutes. And the first thing people do when they walk in is do the pre-work. They still produce the pre-work the same way that they would if people were doing it ahead of time. But when people come in the room, the first thing they do is sit in silence for 10 minutes and let people read the materials, fill out the survey, whatever it is that you're doing as your pre-work, and then the official meeting conversation part starts. I don't love that idea, but if that's what it takes to get people ready for the conversation, it's much better to do it that way than to present information, which can take way longer. I mean, we've all sat through meetings where the person...
0: I have learned so much about presentations and presenting from the experts on our show recently. But if you're like me, you're always hungry for more. And that's when I turned to Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 plus of the world's best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even. even in audio mode only. One of my favorites that I was turned on to from a friend is Steve Martin teaching comedy. It gives so much of a depth and an underpinning towards when you have to present or give speeches. I've found some really great stuff to intertwine and mix into my presentations. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Every membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership of Masterclass at masterclass.com beyond. That's 15% off at masterclass.com beyond. Masterclass.com beyond
1: person says, okay, so I'm just going to give you a quick overview and then we'll hop into the conversation. And 20 minutes in, they're still on the second slide because the conversation's gone off track and their presentation has wandered and you kind of get to the end of the meeting and you're like, wait a second, we didn't actually do anything we thought we were going to do because we just got stuck on this one point that was on slide two.
0: Man, and that almost fe- seems kind of antithetical to to training people to do it the way you really want it versus, all right, fine, we compromised. And now everybody knows, well, I don't have to do this when I get the email about it. I can do it in the meeting.
1: Yeah, which is why it's a cultural thing. Either you have a culture that says everybody does work beforehand and we all come in prepared, or you end up with a culture where it's acknowledged no one's expected to do anything ahead of time. You come to the meeting and the first thing we're going to do is get ourselves prepared. You can't have this in between. That's when you end up really hurting people in the sense that it drives me nuts when I go to a meeting and I've done the pre-work and the person next to me hasn't. And so what do we do? We spend the first 10 or 15 minutes catching that person <laughs> up to speed. Like, really? Talk about disrespect for my time. Like, that's the thing that makes, drives me nuts. I'm like, why did I spend my time preparing then? Well, I'm not going to do it in the future. Right now we're just going down the wrong spiraling path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was I was thinking of me in that situation where I'm like, "Well, I did my homework, and I came, and no one else did. So now I know I don't need to."
1: <laughs> yep. And and unfortunately, unlike in school where you get rewarded for doing the work and punished if you don't, we uh, typically in meetings do the opposite. We reward the person who doesn't by catching them up, and we punish the person who did by making them sit through 15 minutes of stuff that they've already heard.
0: Oh, good point. Jeez. All right. So the so now we are in the meeting.
1: So we're going to start with our check-in. We're going to review our desired outcome, ground people into what this actual meeting is about and why we have gathered. It's surprising how many people come to a meeting and they don't remember what the agenda said or why they're in this meeting, which is totally fair, right? You got cognitive load we're all dealing with all these other things going on in our brain if I walk into a meeting you know don't expect me to remember exactly what the desired outcome is because I got a hundred other things going on so as the meeting leader you need to tell me you know remind me this is why we're gathered this is what we're gonna accomplish today get everybody focused and ready then run through your agenda Uh, you can repeat your norms and clarify make sure everybody understands these are our norms for today and you can have all kinds of norms, and there's we have some articles on them, and they're, they're a great tool. But facilitation is a whole other aspect, and there's lots of wonderful resources. We don't do a ton on facilitation. It's not um, something that I personally train on, but we talk about using norms in our book. But there's great tools for facilitation. So if you are really struggling with somebody who has like, that kind of bad meeting personality, somebody who hogs the mic or you know that people never speak up or whatever it is, There are lots of tools and techniques to help bring out the dialogue and balance participation, which you want to do. It's really hard to run a meeting with people who are not themselves contributing in a way that's helpful, but you got to get through your content Mm -hmm. to get to your desired outcome. So we're going to kind of glaze over that a little and just say, manage your meeting conversation to get yourself to the desired outcome. Use your agenda as a tool you know, pay attention to the time. You can even assign a timekeeper, assign other people roles to help you lead. So ask one person, give them a copy of the agenda and say, can you help us make sure that we're staying on track? Just call out when we have, when we've hit the time and all the person has to do is say, okay guys, sorry to interrupt. You know, we've, we are at the end of the time allocated for this conversation. Should we keep going and, and push our agenda or should we, you know." rejigger the agenda so that this conversation can have more time that's all i'm asking you to do as the timekeeper just help me call out the question or or flag me so that i can call out the question as the team leader if that's more comfortable but you can use other people on your team so that you as the meeting leader don't have to do everything yourself because it can be very overwhelming to be trying to manage the conversation keep yourselves on topic pay attention to the time Right, all of those things. It's like wearing multiple hats, and of course, contribute yourself and your own ideas and be engaged in the conversation. So we'll get to the end of the conversation, get to the end of the meeting. And now you've got your last couple of minutes to do your wrap-up. And this is a really important time because it does a couple of things. One, it clarifies exactly what your conversation achieved. And you we might be surprised or maybe not how many times we leave meetings and we either feel a sense of what did we decide? Like, what did we actually get done in this meeting? And when you use that time at the end to clarify, this was the decision that was made. These are the three or four next steps we have and who's going to be responsible for them. You help people come to a sense of closure and make sure when they walk out the door, everybody has the same understanding. Like, I always joke that there's a, a famous we or a famous they that gets a lot of assignments. Like, we really need to follow up with that customer. Or to, let's make sure that someone does X, Y, or Z. And no one ever does those things because who volunteers for work? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> so use your time at the end to clarify what those outcomes are and make sure when people leave, you don't have five different people thinking they have five different decisions that were made because no one actually stated the true decision, right? You never want to say, well, it sounds like we came to a decision. No. No, state the decision. This is the decision I'm hearing us make. We've agreed to blah, 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 and get everyone's head nodding and then write that decision down. The other thing that this does at the end is people walk out with a real sense of accomplishment and you can assess your meaning against your desired outcome. Did we get to our desired outcome? We said we wanted to make a decision. Did we actually make a decision? And if not, hmm. Why? What is it that's missing? Are we missing a person? Are we missing some critical information? Did we get lost in our own conversation? And so we didn't manage ourselves well to get to the outcome we needed because we just were going down rabbit holes or tangents. Why, why did we not get to it? Because next time we can be more prepared to get ourselves to that outcome.
0: Perfect. As we're wrapping up the meeting, How do we maybe transition into, well, one, how do we maybe make sure we assign some of that stuff without making it feel like it's, I don't know, assigning people at random? You know, Maybe we pre-decide who are some of those natural people, or I don't know, how do we bring that up? How do we close the meeting well?
1: Yeah. So when you're taking notes at the end of the meeting, which note-taking is its own whole beast, and I don't always advocate for every team to have a note-taker. I actually prefer for teams to... Take notes together at the end. So everyone during the meeting can be jotting down key ideas or activities or things that they're hearing of like, oh, next steps. And then in the end, use the group to craft those next steps together. So one person can type them up real time. So there's no extra work at the end of the meeting. But the group together is saying, OK, what are our next steps? And people will kind of popcorn style or you can go around the circle and say, what do you think the next steps are? And you can type them up. And as you're going around... You'll get your list. And sometimes it's really obvious. Like we have one graphic designer, they're going to be the one who's going to fix the edits on the slide. Sometimes it's a little less obvious, and people have to either volunteer. And you can say, all right, so who's going to take this on? Who's going to be responsible for getting the you know the updated financial report from Bob in you know, the finance department? And somebody will volunteer. Or sometimes you have to assign things and you have to say, Hey, Mamie, uh, do, would you mind getting that financial report from Bob? It'd be really helpful. And if you could do it by the end of the day Friday so we could all see those numbers over the weekend, that'd be really helpful. And then, you know, I'll either say yes and, you know, maybe not happy about it, but yes, I'll do it. Or actually, I'm going to be out on Friday. So I don't think I'm the best person to do that. Maybe someone else could do it. There's always a negotiation when it comes to responsibilities that we have to be respectful about. But you want to make sure that every next step has a person who's going to be responsible and hopefully a due date. Now, here's the kicker. If you're going to assign something to somebody who's not in the meeting, which is totally fine because sometimes the right person to do that is not in the meeting. Like, for example, Bob needs to give us the financial report. I don't want to assign Bob to give us the financial report because he's not in the meeting. I want to assign Mamie to get the financial report from Bob because she's here and i know that she is going to feel she understands why we need it she has a sense of ownership of this task and she's going to go get get the information from bob if nobody if we all just say in our notes bob sends financial report cuz that's what we actually need he's never going to do it no one's going to tell him we can't expect him to like look into our meeting notes and know that he needs to do this for us so every task should be assigned to somebody in the meeting even if that person's job is simply to inform the person who's going to do the task that that task needs to get done
0: that, that also plays into that old joke of, well, this person's not here, so they get assigned all the work.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the meeting is ended. We have our notes that are already typed up because we collected them and did them in the meeting. Somebody type it into an email or a Google Doc or a meeting tool. They can, with one click, get sent out to everybody who is in the meeting and the people who weren't who need to be informed. When you start to build in this practice of informing people after a meeting, it's much easier to make sure that you don't have people in the meeting who don't really need to be there. Because sometimes people just need to be informed. They just need to know what is the decision that was made or what are the next steps and how is that going to affect my work or what were the ideas that were generated because it's part of my project. But they don't actually have to be in the meeting itself. So send those notes out to anyone who needs to be informed of them. Save them in a place where you can reference them in the future Because a lot of conversation goes into, didn't we already decide this and nobody can remember what we actually decided? Or you start rehashing, I thought so-and-so was going to do it. Well, I thought so-and-so was going to do it. Save your notes somewhere where you can reference them so you can cut those conversations short and say, okay, we have this written down. Let's just look. Let's not argue. Let's just look. So send your meeting notes out, save them somewhere, and then execute. And now this is then transitioned from work we do together to work we do by ourselves. Coming out of the meeting, we are transitioning from our collaboration time to our individual time. So be responsible. Do what you say you're going to do. If you have a task assigned in a meeting, do it. Don't make your team leader chase you down. Right. And if you're a team leader, follow up. Make sure that people do their work so that at the next meeting, you're not stuck because Maybe never got those financials from Bob because, yeah, I was assigned in a meeting, but, you know, nobody actually cares if I did it. So I just didn't do it. (laughs) That's it. Perfect meeting right there.
0: See, it's not that hard. Of course, it helps to, you know, talk through it and walk through it. But
1: yeah, there's a lot goes into a good meeting. And the amazing thing is that you don't actually have to do all of these things to have a really productive meeting. Just start somewhere. And if you're going to start and if you're going to do one thing differently, Start with that desired outcome. Mm. Be super clear of what you want to achieve in your meeting. Tell people who are coming, this is what we're going to achieve. And at the end of the meeting, write, you know, ask yourself, did we achieve this? And state it that this was the decision or this was the ideas. Or yes, are we all in alignment? Get the thumbs up from everybody to know that you achieved that desired outcome. That alone will have exponential impact on the productivity and the emotional side of your meetings.
0: Well. And what's cool is is I think just making some of the changes, if not all the changes, is going to help people get momentum, which ironically is the name of the book. It's called Momentum, Creating Effective, Engaging, and Enjoyable Meetings. See, and I just kind of said that with a question mark with the enjoyable part, but <laughs> I think it could be. I really do. So uh, I, I – Mamie, this has been awesome. I know people really just need to go pick up the book after they've heard all this and use it as their handbook to dive even deeper into some of the changes that we just talked about and the best practices. So I'm going to direct people there. But where else can people find you other than in my show notes?
1: Yeah, you can find us. So the company is Meteor, M-E-E-T-E-O-R, like meetings. So you can find us at Meteor.com and on Twitter at Meteor HQ. Uh, and on LinkedIn, of course. And you can also follow me because I do my own stuff as well related to meetings and collaboration and other things. So my website is Mamie MamieKS, dot com, and on Twitter at MamieKS.
0: Perfect. Mamie, I am just thrilled that I was able to talk to you and have this awesome canonical episode about meetings now, finally, in the Beyond the To-Do List catalog. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun.
0: I'm curious where you're coming from and what from this episode has helped you the most. So let me know. Head on over to the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com slash 216. There you will find the show notes for this episode, as well as the share bar where you can click share and Share this episode with that person you know either runs meetings or wants to have better meetings or hates meetings or all of the above, possibly, and let them know about this episode. Would you do that favor for me? Thank you so much. Make sure to check out Care Of, the sponsor for this episode. You can get 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins by visiting TakeCareOf.com and enter the promo code Beyond. I am loving mine. I am signed up as a subscriber ongoing, and I think you probably will too. Again, 25% off. Just go to takecareof.com slash beyond. And with that, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. It's going to change your meetings moving forward, and I will see you next episode.